0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week to clear the docket. With me, as always, is the man they call the scallop prince of Maine, Judge John Hodgman.
1: Oh, hello. Welcome, everyone, to listening to this podcast. It is I, John Hodgman, joining my friends Jennifer Marmer and Jesse Thorne in two distinct locations in Los Angeles. I, of course... I'm in the solar-powered studios of WERU, headquartered in Orland, Maine, broadcasting on 89.9 on the frequency modulation band out of Blue Hill, Maine. It is, well, the time doesn't matter to you. You're going to start listening to this whenever. But what you need to know is we started recording 10 minutes late for two reasons. One, I needed to finish my chicken fingers that I was having for lunch in the parking lot of W-E-R-U, and that was delicious. I was almost going to skip lunch, Jesse, but then I was like, I'm going by the gas station that has a good chicken. I got to get some.
0: Yeah, nothing wrong with chicken fingers. They're a classic for a reason.
1: Yeah, not after the record, before the record, so I'm all fueled up. Probably
0: the best of the finger foods.
1: That's right. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. But then we had to Apologies apolo- to
0: lady fingers.
1: Oh, are those the, the like the sponge cakes?
0: Yeah. It's like a soaked sponge cake, I think.
1: A soaked sponge cake? What are they soaked in, rum?
0: Yeah, or, or maybe cappuccino, I don't know. Something like that.
1: You, you have your cappuccino ladyfingers, you have your rum cappuccino ladyfingers, and then you have your plain rum ladyfingers. In any case, we also had to pause to wait for Leafy to go away. Leafy, the leaf blower, as you know, if you were listening last week, has been fired from the Judge John Hodgman family. No longer allowed to be on the podcast due to scaring Coco last week. And Leafy was Leafy was making a real racket outside your window there in Los Angeles, Jesse Thorne.
0: Yeah, Leafy's still here. I mean, I can't promise that you won't hear Leafy, but Leafy was immediately outside my window for some time.
1: Yeah, Le- like Leafy knew what Leafy did, and Leafy was coming yeah, back. It
0: was sort of like Leafy was throwing rocks at my window. You
1: know, little pebbles. <laughs> well, like, Please let me back in. Let me tell everyone in the listening audience, you will never hear from Leafy again. We are, we are restructuring our schedules to record on non-Leafy days. So if you hear <laughs> Leafy today, let your ears soak it in. Leafy's vengeful buzzing. Let your ears soak it in because the last time you're going to hear Leafy. So mad at Leafy. You know what I'm not mad at? Not mad at my friends who are on the Zoom with me. I can see you, and I'm not mad at uh, Engineer Joel Mann. If I'm the Prince of Scallops, Joel is the King of Scallops. How are you, Joel? Good, Judge. I have some good news for you. What? After last week's scallop talk, yeah. I went to the supermarket on the way home. Guess what? You may not know this. You you can buy. You don't have to buy a gallon of them. What? Yeah, you can. You can get just a few. No, you can order as many or as few scallops as you want. Come on, stop it. I got a dozen, and that was all I needed. Thank heavens. Wow, and they were delicious. They were great. And they were right off the boat too. It said on a little card taped up, "Fresh today." And they were very good. Awesome. I don't know if they got them from your guy. David Tar, is that the name of your scallopman? That's the guy. He goes in the water he dives. He, yes. D- yes, he goes yeah. in the cold main waters all winter long. All winter long and grabs them just to give you a, a gallon. just to hand off a gallon to you. Yep. You have to give me some of those scallop freezing tips that you promised me in case I get a, get into too many scallops this winter. <laughs> all right, anyway, we got some justice to dispense. It's not scallop talk. It's a separate podcast. <laughs> Jesse Thorne, what's going on? What's on the docket?
0: Hold on one second.
1: Was Leafy back?
0: Yeah, Leafy's back here, right right, right outside the old
1: window. You know what? Just power through it. Leafy's last hurrah. Go ahead. All right, I'll do it. Here's something from JB. She says,
0: When my partner makes the bed, he tucks in not only the top sheet, but also every blanket, quilt, and bedspread in use. I believe this makes the bed both uncomfortable and aesthetically unpleasing. It also puts stress on the fabric of our quilts and bedspreads. What? We've been married for 20 years, so I guess you could say I've made my bed and now I must lie in it. Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping for a decision that bedspreads, quilts, and other covers aren't meant to be tucked in.
1: Whew! some fancy wordplay there from JB. I appreciate that. Jesse Thorne, you have three small children. That's true. Is there a making of beds in your house at all?
0: I will straighten out the bed yeah. when I get up out of it in the morning, but I don't even retuck sheets. I just straighten them out and pull the duvet up. Right. Um, and the and the main reason that I do that, frankly, is because I know that uh, otherwise my dogs will be getting into the sheets and trying to dig holes in the sheets, and I would prefer that they try and dig holes in the duvet.
1: Yeah, they're hi- they're hiding from Leafy, the malevolent leaf blower. Sure, or looking gotta... for
0: bed squirrels.
1: That's true. That's always a possibility. <laughs> you you got to flip the mattress twice a year to shake out those bed squirrels. You know that, right? Sure. Right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, listeners who are shopping the Hodgman Collection at Brooklinen. Hey, that's a plug. They didn't even pay for it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, shoppers who are shopping the Hodgman Collection at Brooklinen. You all know the color of my sheets: slate gray. And then I got that 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 stripe, that gray and white stripe duvet cover. Do you know how I make my beds? No, you'll never know. you'll never know, you'll never be able to replicate it perfectly. I will keep some secrets. Thank you very much. But yeah, I mean, it's just I in a normal situation I, I, but Jesse, in an ideal world, what would you consider to be a properly made bed? What is tucked in? what is not tucked in in the in the platonic? world of Jesse Thorne's uh, uh, bedclothes headcanon.
0: I think, well, first of all, I like to use a top sheet. That will be tucked in. And I think in a situation like a summery situation, yeah, I don't think it's inappropriate to tuck in a light blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that can make for a nice presentation. Like if you're using like a quilted cotton blanket or something like that. Yeah. Uh, like a knit cotton blanket, maybe. That kind of thing seems appropriate to tuck in tucking in a feather duvet is a little goofy to me that seems a little too much and i'm not ready to dismiss jb's argument that tucking in the quilt puts stress on the fabric you Uh, notice that i highlighted that
1: phrase for ridicule
0: yeah i have some quilts that are family heirlooms Mm -hmm. um That I like to put out on my bed because they remind me of, you know, I have some that each of my, one that my maternal grandmother made, uh, or was actually made from pieces that my maternal grandmother cut and sewed. Yeah. And um, I have one that was made by my paternal grandmother and her mother for my birth. And I like to have those out. I also have a few like 19th century ones. I know what you're thinking. What am, what, who do I think I am? Famous quilt collector Ken Burns?
1: I was thinking that. I got confused. I thought for a minute I was on the wrong podcast.
0: Google Ken Burns quilts, by the way, because the man has some amazing quilts. Right. I'm not like you think I'm joking, but I am 100% on board with Ken Burns, famous documentarian and his collection of American quilt work.
1: Well, quilts are works of art.
0: Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's entirely unreasonable to want to protect your quilt. Um, and not to tuck it in tautly if it is an actual, you know, family piece, a handmade piece. And if it's just something, yeah, I mean, if it's just something that you, you know, bought at the grocery store in 1997, I'm, I'm not that worried about it getting yeah. tucked in.
1: Also, maybe time. You don't need those grocery store quilts anymore. I think they've done their work. If you've had them in 19, 19- yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, if if anybody out there is a zoomer. Us millennials remember when they sold quilts at the grocery store. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you might be a millennial if. I will say this. I All right. I'm glad that you stood up for JB in her in her worry for her quilts. And I would agree with you. If they're an heirloom quilt, if there's something special to you, you, you know, just even putting them on the bed constitutes potential damage. Definitely you don't need to stretch those things out. I would say a, a regular blanket or whatever. That, I, I don't think that that's a real issue. If it's a grocery store quilt or blanket, I think you're gilding the lily, JB. The fact is that what, what your partner is doing, your, your spouse of, of 20 years or more, it's a very old-fashioned look and a very formal look to my mind. And I would think that it would not suit a duvet cover, which itself suggests a kind of rumpled casualness. But if you've got the uh, the bed clothes to make that look good and your spouse wants to make it look good, I say let him make it look good. I appreciate that it's not aesthetically pleasing to you. But on the other hand, you lied. You said I've made my bed and now must lie in it. No, you have not made it. Your spouse made it. Your spouse made the bed. Do you have any idea JB what kind of gift that is? A spouse who makes the bed? I know that one of the spouses in my spousal relationship does not appreciate what a gift it is. (laughs) Takes it for granted that one of us is going to go ahead and straighten that duvet cover every morning. I want to get married to your spouse, JB. It's just like picking songs on the radio when you're driving in the car. The person who does the work gets to choose how to do it. And I would just say, I'm sorry that it's not to your liking. Before you go to bed, just go in there and pre-untuck, pre-untuck for a little while and let that drift into your eyes before you get into your bed. Loosen up those sheets and blankets. Here's
0: something from Pierce. He writes, several months ago, under duress, I had to describe what the non-ice cream parts of an ice cream sandwich are. I said, ice cream sandwich bread. My girlfriend, after laughing at me, said I was wrong. She Googled and said they're called wafers or cookies. Please order my girlfriend to recognize that ice cream sandwich bread, though not in wide
1: usage, is the superior name. (laughs) I gotta say I really love this first sentence. Several months ago under duress, I had to describe what the non-ice cream parts of an ice cream sandwich are. Tell us
0: what you call the non-ice cream parts of an ice cream sandwich.
1: Tell us. That's an incredible— That There are a lot of different stories in that one sentence. You know what it reminds me of? One of the best first sentences in fiction. Gabriel Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude. X number of years later— I can't remember the number of years, but the rest of this is off the dome. X number of years later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aureliano Buendia— remembered the time his father took him to see ice. Pretty good. I haven't picked up that book in probably 25 years. Remember that first line. There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in that line. I like the story behind this, Pierce. You spin a good tale. I don't know. First of all, an ice cream sandwich is a sandwich. It's meat between bread, obviously. Mm-hmm. Would you call the those brown the tops and bottoms of an ice cream Sandwich a classic rectangular ice cream sandwich, would you call it a wafer or a cookie?
0: Well, first of all, you know what kind of ice cream sandwich I'm eating, John, I'm eating, and it's it the real it's San it. Francisco treat.
1: Uh, yeah, that's right. And they call it that because the ice cream is mixed with rice orroni, yes, <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only recently had rice aroni for the first time because my, uh, my wife accidentally bought it when trying to buy yellow or Spanish rice yeah. uh, in a box. Yeah. And she bought the rice aroni version. I had no idea it was a mix
1: of noodles and rice. It's a pilaf. <laughs> what a weird product. It's a, it's a rice pilaf. That's all. That's, that's what makes it roni. That's the roni and
0: the rice. Nothing reminds me of a cable car cresting a hill like a mix of rice and rice shaped pasta.
1: Anyway. <laughs> that Look, and Zoomers, this is an Xer talking to you. You have no idea what we're talking about. You did not grow you, you are perhaps the first generation to grow up without any jingles worming their way into your head from television commercials that you were forced to watch during afternoon screenings of. What was my afternoon thing? Was Star Blazers, Channel Twenty Five. <laughs> it just sounds made up. No, it's really real. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. This is the rice roni jingle. Rice roni, the San Francisco treat. Ding ding. And if, yeah, it's a cable maybe car l- bell. Maybe later in the podcast, if we have time, I'll sing the Star Blazers theme. As a treat. You know
0: what, Jen? On our way out. Play one of the bell ringers from the cable car bell ringing competition that's an annual tradition in San Francisco, and one of the best things about cable cars.
1: Yeah, let's do that too. Let's. We got all kinds of teases. People are going to listen to this whole episode, I have a feeling, Jesse. Yeah. This is probably the first one people are going to go all the way through. Anyway, you like an it's it. Describe to the listener, and frankly, refresh my memory, what constitutes an it's it?
0: An It's It is a San Francisco-based, or I should say Bay Area-based. They're actually, I think, in Burlingame, Uh, uh, frozen confection with a kind of light ice cream in the middle, sort of an ice milk type situation, Uh, two chewy oatmeal cookies on the outside, and the whole thing is dipped in chocolate. It comes in a variety of flavors. Right, um, but I would argue the classic flavors are vanilla and mint.
1: It's kind of a chocolate enrobed chipwitch without chocolate chips. Yeah,
0: but the but this but mm, I mean there is a chocolate enrobed chipwitch version of the it's it. It's mm-hmm. it makes a separate product. Uh, that is what you're describing. What what I am describing are chewy oatmeal cookies rather than chocolate chip cookies.
1: I understand. Okay. By the way, it's it, get get on this get on this program. Get on the program of sponsoring this program. Come on. Look, okay, it's it has a cookie on top, a cookie on the bottom. I'm talking about classic
0: if you're asking me about the classic ice cream sandwich, like right now in my freezer, I have an ice cream I have a box of an ice cream sandwich called Fat Boy Junior. Mm-hmm. Which are wonderful ice cream sandwiches? I would call the outside cookies, and I'm comfortable. I would be comfortable with wafers as well.
1: I don't know Jesse Thorne, because I'm think I'm thinking of like school cafeteria, school cafeteria. Yeah, uh, I would like call that the cookie or
0: to yeah. Chew- I know no. exactly what you're talking about. I think that's a great ice cream sandwich. the The worst version of that. We were just talking about this on Jordan and Jesse Go the other day. The worst version of an ice cream sandwich, like the equivalent of that gallon jug of red drink that costs 45 cents at the mm-hmm. grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, that version of an ice cream sandwich is still a great treat.
1: Oh, I do. I, you know, I, I rarely go for sweets, but I do enjoy an ice cream sandwich. And in some ways, I, I feel like the the sort of lower quality, the better as far as I'm concerned. Like true high school cafeteria.
0: Yeah, one that comes in a paper wrapper that just has, says, I see sandwich on the outside in big block <laughs> letters or whatever.
1: Exactly. And when I think of that, because I think you guys are too fancy. When I think of that, I'm thinking of a very specific thin brown thing. that it's kind that of has mealy. A, it has a mealy, a mealy, that's exactly right, Jesse, mealy texture that is very specific to it and nothing else. It's it in its own it's it way. And I don't consider it a wafer, which I consider to be crisp, or a cookie, which I consider to be more substantial. I'm going to call it, I've never heard a a better phrase for it, ice cream sandwich bread. For that instance, I think that Pierce is correct. (laughs)
0: Ice cream sandwich bread. It's great. Let's take a quick break. More items on the docket coming up in just a minute on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st.
0: Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh,
1: nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check.
0: What? Hang on!
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
0: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket this week. I'm in Los Angeles, Judge Hodgman in Orland, Maine with the great Joel Mann. Here's something from Ethan. He writes, In May of 2019, I organized a betting pool for the final season of Game of Thrones. One question was, who holds the Iron Throne at the end? My friend Nick claims he is correct in arguing that no one claimed the throne because, one, Drogon melted the literal Iron Throne, and... Two, the Iron Throne is symbolic of the Seven Kingdoms, which were dissolved. I argue that no one is an unacceptable answer, because Bran became King of Westeros. I ask that you order one party to concede defeat and award damages to the victorious party. Presumably in the, in the, in the form of what is called the Dork Throne. <laughs> <laughs> The Dork Throne is at stake. It's made of melted 20-sided dice, by the way.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe people don't know what the Iron Throne is. Joel, do you know what the Iron Throne is? No. Joel, here's the thing. Egon the Conqueror, the first of the Targaryen kings, conquered the seven kingdoms of Westeros. You remember him from Ghostbusters, right? That's right. (laughs) And in the television show Game of Thrones and the George R. R. Martin novels, A Song of Ice and Fire. In the fantasy world in which it takes place, there's a place called Westeros. There's seven kingdoms in it. Egon rode, rode his dragon to King's Landing, beat them all at war, took control of all of the seven independent kingdoms, except he didn't actually take control of all of them, Joel. Dorne... The kingdom of Dorne resisted his rule for centuries after, but still he claimed that he was the king of all seven kingdoms. Technically later, those became eight and nine as there were some changes. And then all of the swords that were surrendered to him by his opponents were melted down and forged into a throne of swords called the Iron Throne. Got it now? I always wondered why I didn't watch that. Now I know. It's a good show. Yeah. It's a good show. Sounds like it. Yeah. Take a look. It's good. Great book, great series of books. It occurred to me, Jesse, that George R. R. Martin is a fan of this show, and someone that I have I have had the pleasure of meeting from time to time. Indeed, he sent me a text out of nowhere just to say Happy Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. It was very touching, and I That's thought, well, nice. I could ask uh, George R. R. Martin's opinion on this. But then I remembered this this not only deals with the television series, not the books, but also the final season of the television series. And I don't think anyone has told George R.R. R. Martin that that, that that happened. I think he's being <laughs> – I, I, think, I think that the information that the television series uh, had a final season and is now over is being hidden from him as he works on the final books. Yeah. So I'm forced to go with my own knowledge and expertise in the history and lore of Westeros. And I'll say uh, that Nick is correct. At the end of the TV series, that dragon Drogon melts that whole throne, so no one's sitting on that chair. And at the end of this, the the finale, I don't remember the all of the seven kingdoms being disbanded, but I know that I know that the North seceded and became a kingdom unto itself as it once was way back when Sansa Stark demands that it become an independent kingdom, and while she should be and is as far as I'm concerned, the rightful queen in the north. Instead, her younger brother Brandon Stark, Bran, became named king in the north. Rigged, rigged election. I say, not the way I would have done it. But then again, it wasn't my job to finish that incredibly ambitious story. I'm glad I don't have to. I'm glad I'm not those guys who made that TV show. I'm not. I'm glad I'm not George R R Martin for that reason. It's a hard, hard landing to stick. And the, both the show and the books have meant a lot to me. And uh, and I will say that as someone who, who was. Pretty well steeped in the lore. I think Nick is correct, and I think Nick is also deserves this win of the Dork Throne for sheer boldness. Dorkness favors the bold. I mean to go out there and say no, no one. That's such a a snarky answer to give. Like it's like, you know who I think is gonna be the king at the end of the books? No one. I think they're gonna form a constitutional republic or something. Contrarian. I like it, Nick. In the game of dorks, either you win or you lose. And Ethan, you lose.
0: Can I tell you something about that last episode of Game of Thrones and the conclusion of that grand tale? Sure. I loved the television program. I haven't read the books yet. Yeah. Look forward to reading them at some point in the future. But I I loved the television program. Watched every episode of it. Was thrilled. My favorite dramatic television program in many years. And... The other day I was reading an article about media of some kind that mentioned the finale of Game of Thrones. And I thought back and I realized that I could not remember who had won in the end.
1: Well, now I'm thinking like <laughs> I just said that Sansa should have been the queen of Westeros. But she demanded independence for the, for the region of Westeros known as the North. Maybe she is queen in the North. I'm not sure I know exactly how it ended. I know Bran was named king. I'll tell you what, listeners, please stop writing your emails right now. I promise you I will look it up on Wikipedia. I promise you I will do penance. I will walk through the streets of Blue Hill, Maine, naked as the townspeople chant shame at me. You can trust that this will happen. Please don't correct me. I got the basic contours correct. And by the way, uh, Nick is right and Ethan's wrong still. It doesn't change anything. I won't, I won't overturn the outcome because it won't change, won't change the outcome.
0: Here's a dispute from Valerie. She writes, like you, my husband is crab conscious because we keep kosher, but he is also now carb conscious. Previously on a Sunday, Miles would have two everything bagels with cream cheese, but recently he decided he only wants one and a half everything bagels with cream cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I took the extra half bagel and froze it to save it for next week. But he only wants fresh. I then decided I knew how you would rule. If I prepare his bagels, he must eat the remaining half the following week. But if he prepares his own bagel and a half, he could throw the extra half away. Although I am really bothered by the waste. What Mm. say you, Judge Hotchman?
1: First of all, Joel, you may not know this, but crab conscious... Yeah, what is that? That's a reference to a running gag that we have going uh, in some ad reads for for another partner of Judge John Hodgman, the Great Sunbasket, a uh, food delivery service and recipe delivery service. Prepare How would you how would you describe it, Jesse? It's
0: the only food delivery service co-founded by my friend Tyler from college. That's right.
1: <laughs> and in any case, uh I I misread an ad read and thought that they're were, they were having special menus for crab-conscious eaters when it's, of course, carb-conscious eaters. Kind of a running gag. In any case, uh, <laughs> Valerie's husband, Miles, is carb-conscious, so he is cutting down his two-bagel-a-Sunday routine to 1.5 bagels.
0: I mean, that's a 25% reduction.
1: It is a 25% reduction except for when you – Remember that every bagel has about 1 million carbs in it. As someone who has been genuinely carb conscious right up until we went into the pandemic, right up until that moment, I had been carb conscious and basically carb free for almost a decade. I can tell you right now that there is a lot of carbs in a bagel because when I eat a bagel, my head is spinning with sugar. Woo, so exciting. I ju- jump up in the air every time I eat a bagel and they're delicious. Well, they are a pure carb bomb. I mean, nice try, Miles. But I'll tell you, uh, I don't think you're going to get what you're going for here. Now, Valerie says that she guessed what my judgment would be. Let's set aside the nutritional aspect of this or the dieting aspect or whatever. Just in terms of uh, Miles wants a fresh half a bagel and Valerie wants to se- freeze that extra half a bagel, she predicted that I would rule that if she – it's sort of like the the uh, making the bed. If she does the work of preparing the bagels, she can freeze that half a bagel and serve it to Miles next week. But if he does it, if he does the work of preparing the bagels, he can just throw it away. Jesse, do you think that Valerie has predicted my – judgment correctly or incorrectly well
0: i think everyone here has failed to consider what i see as the central issue which is that bagels are inherently wasteful because someone has thrown away the center of the bagel
1: <laughs> how dare you how how <laughs> dare you sorry you're still a millennial i dumb. mean i know you're a dad I know you're entitled to make these jokes technically, but you have no gray in your beard. I can see it. Your your beard is luxuriously brown and healthy and youthful. You've got a twinkle in your eye. You listeners will not be surprised to learn that you are wearing a jaunty kerchief, neckerchief. Yeah, You're still a young man. You don't have to do this, Jesse. Plus, bagels don't... When you... You can say that about a donut as a weird dad joke, but you get a real bagel, like from the bagel hole in Brooklyn. There's no hole there; it all swells up. It's no—you can't put a, you can't see through a bagel, in any way. Unless you've got some very specific weird superpower. There is an issue, as though that no one has contended with, which is a Miles is absolutely correct. A frozen bagel is fine, but it is nothing compared to a fresh bagel. That is a very reasonable distinction to make. And in terms of like – if you're only going to put a certain amount of bagels into your hole a week, you deserve to have the one that you want or the one and a half that you want or the two that you want. Because here's the thing. Valerie is absolutely wrong. About my judgment, I would never make the judgment that that uh, she who puts in the work gets to decide to freeze the half a bagel. It's just, I get where you're coming from, Valerie, and I appreciate your your listenership. But that that is a that is a cumbersome judgment because I had to sit down like with some scratch paper to figure out. All right, I'm serving one and a half bagels, and then I'm freezing this half. Then next week I just get one whole bagel and augment it with the frozen half. Then the next week I got to go back to the two bagels and split. It's too much work. It's too much work, Valerie. I'm sorry, especially when the solution is right there: one bagel, one bagel miles. One. That's all you need. That's all you need of a Sunday. Look, I was a young man, Jesse. I was a young man. There was a period of time when I was in my twenties, living on 104th Street, and all of my friends had a, had small studio apartments in the same building. Jonathan, Christine, Catherine, Liz, we were all there. We'd all get together on a Sunday and get bagels. And and sometimes I would eat two bagels with cream cheese. Sometimes I would. Everything bagels, of course, they're the best. That was in my 20s when my metabolism was probably at its highest. And even then I was like, hmm, this is too many bagels. One bagel. That's all you need. Sorry, Miles. Especially if you're trying to reduce carbs. There's a really good way to reduce carbs is not eat bagels. There are few food products
0: that suffer more from staleness or freezing than a bagel. I mean, a frozen bagel, a frozen and unfrozen bagel, you can toast it and then you get a passable toasted bagel. Correct. But if you have to toast a bagel, it's not a very good bagel.
1: That's right. Jesse, you and I both know that the bagel hole in Park Slope does not offer toasting because their bagels are always warm when they come out. They are the best bagels that I've ever had in my hands and in my mouth and in my stomach. But I am saddened to inform you, Jesse, that I personally can no longer go there, because I made the mistake of reading the Bagel Holes Twitter page. So look, people who love bagels... Go and eat whatever bagel you want. The best bagels in in the New York area, indeed, I would say the world, are the bagel hole. But do yourself a favor. Don't ask too many questions. Just get those good bagels. And remember, we're all neighbors.
0: I want to thank our producer, Jennifer Marmer, who reminded me that there's a pretty good bagel available near my house. What is it? Shout out to Bell's Bagels.
1: Bell's Bagels. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Not the not the world's greatest bagel. It's less good than the Bagel Hole, right? But for Los Angeles, a city with surprisingly few good bagel options, it is a real solid bagel.
1: Here comes Coco getting on the lap. Yeah, I like it. I like Coco to feel that this is a safe place to come now that Leafy has been banished. Exactly, that's right. Welcome, Coco. We'll give you you can feed ha- you can feed half a bagel to Coco. How about that? <laughs>
0: She'd eat it. I mean, honestly, she'd try and eat it if it was made out of wood.
1: Oh, there's no bagel for me to get here in Maine. It's just not not an option. No, it's not, not worth it. Option.
0: Not worth it. Have some scallops.
1: Portland has a great bagel shop. I can't remember the name, but they're really, really good. Okay. But, but you got to go to Portland. Yeah, I don't mind going to Portland. What do you put on it? A little scallop spread? Yeah. A little yeah. smoked scallop?
0: Yeah. Yep. Good. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, questions from toddlers.
1: Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura, A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up? Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babel. Okay, it's 2020-24, 2020 20, 20, 20, Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman.
0: Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This week, we're clearing the docket.
1: Last week in the episode, A Gallon of Scallops... Which someone wrote me a letter saying, if you were pronouncing scallops in the New England style scallops, why are you not saying a gallon of scallops? Joel, would you say a gallon of scallops? No. No, gallon. That's just the way it is. In any case, we dealt with the important question last week, is butt leg? Question mark. Is butt leg? (laughs) Now, a grown-up asked this question, but you, Bailiff Jesse, suggested that it sounded like a question a toddler might ask, and I agreed with you. So we asked listeners to send in some actual, real-life deep questions posed by human children in their lives, in a segment I am calling "Cool Babies." You know, why I call it "Cool Babies"
0: because that's a phrase that we definitely invented
1: ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's my proprietary phrase. It's a reference. It's a reference, of course, to our friends, the McElroy brothers, and my brother, my brother, and me on the MaximumFund.org/network. In their introduction, they make reference to the fact that their show is not for children, so uh, babies who listen to it are cool. And it occurred to me, they say it every week, for years, a decade or more, yeah, right?
0: Always, it's always
1: funny. It's always funny. What's up, cool babies? What's up, you cool baby, I think is the actual phrase. But then it occurred to me, uh, the, the the brothers have a podcast. Each individual brother has a separate podcast, often with their lovely spouses. They've also got a podcast with their dad and and Sydney's got a podcast with her sisters. It's a whole it's a family affair. But all those brothers have babies. Where are the babies podcasts? Why haven't yeah, they started I want to hear the
0: babies podcast?
1: Why don't they just leave those children in a room with a microphone running and mint podcast money because they're recording it and call it cool babies. It's on brand. I've suggested this to them many times. They've never taken me up on it to my knowledge. So I'm taking, a, I'm taking the IP back. Cool babies, that's our thing now. It's this segment. Jesse Thorne, did anyone write in with profound questions from their cool babies?
0: Yes, John. Many people wrote in with profound questions from their cool babies. <laughs> Marley wrote in to say that her four-year-old asked the question, Do
1: bees have hands? Ooh, this one actually got me to thinking. I mean, bees don't have hands because they don't have arms. They've got legs, right? I
0: don't know. Spoken like somebody who's never seen the hit film Bee Movie starring Jerry Seinfeld.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You got me Starring and written by Jerry Seinfeld? I think he also wrote it? Well, it was his idea. I don't know that he wrote the screenplay.
0: He just thought bees should have a movie. They deserved it.
1: He, he, I don't think that I'm making this up because I think he said it in an interview, but it would be obvious to anyone who has observed the course of Jerry Seinfeld's long and storied career? He was sitting around one day and goes, "You know, B movies are a thing. Why don't they make a B movie yeah. about a bee? It's the best Seinfeld yeah. I could ever do. A B movie. Yeah. A B movie is like a, a a schlock horror movie, a Roger Corman production. Make it about a bee. It writes. It. He didn't have to write it, Jesse, because it writes itself. And he hired someone else to do the work for him." Maybe he
0: had a show business meeting that he thought was going to be what they call a general, one where you go in and just meet somebody. Right. Uh, But it turned out to be a movie pitch meeting. So he just pulled his notebook out of his pocket and flipped through it until he saw the word movie.
1: (laughs) In any case, I did start to think, thanks to Marley's four-year-old, as to what bees have on the ends of their legs. Do they have little hands? That would be creepy. No. Their forelegs have antenna cleaners, and their hind legs have what are called pollen baskets for collecting pollen. And the pollen basket is made up of three distinct structures, the press, brush, and oracle. A-U-R-I-C-L-E. They don't have a uh, uh, (laughs) fortune-telling Grecian woman of ancient times attached to their back leg. It's a A A-U-R-C-L-E. A-U-R-I-C-L-E, Brush and Oracle. Brush and Oracle is going to be the name of the new Subway Tile restaurant that I open, featuring new American cuisine as well. Blake's four-year-old Lincoln
0: has several questions. So this is going to be kind of a lightning round here. Do bears eat wolves? Uh, n- No, I don't think they do. What do you think, Jesse? I do not believe that they do, no. Is a three-leaf clover bad
1: luck? <laughs> Given how things have gone in the past couple of years and the prevalence of three leaf clovers compared to four, I'm going to say yes. Bad luck. Do witches poop? Great question, Lincoln. Great question. Witches poop. They are human. They're not immortal monsters like Dracula's, Jesse Thorne. Do Dracula's poop? I don't see why they would. Yeah. I say they. Seems
0: they'd... like a waste of their time. Yeah. I, they could I, be spooking around.
1: That's right. They don't poop. Draculas don't poop because they're too busy sucking. Is what I say. Yeah. They eat blood. That's right. They suck it. Suck it, Draculas. Do you know what I think a Dracula should suck? No. What? A lemon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Go suck a lemon, Drac. Speaking of poop, by the way, Ryan's
0: two-year-old Ari asks, why do you poop so long? <laughs>
1: Uh, This is not a profound question, but it shows that Ari, they're they're starting to notice a few things. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're starting to notice like uh, dad poops, takes a long time to poop. And I guess it's possible that Ryan has IBS. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But my guess would be that he takes his time in the bathroom for the same reason I used to and arguably still did. Since I became a parent, I deserve a private life. I need Mm -hmm. some time with a closed door. Yeah. Ari, if you're listening, it's not that your dad doesn't love you, but he needs a break from you from time to time. The sooner you understand that and respect those boundaries, the better it's going to be for you guys. Here's something from
0: Sarah. She writes in to say, okay, I don't really have a toddler question, but I do have a toddler fact this morning, Lucas, four years old, told me that, quote, armadillos are really hard to dream about. Yeah, Lucas, tell me about it. <laughs> this is a problem. Everyone everyone goes through this period. It's a normal part of human development where you have this realization and have to deal with it, work it through. And if you don't have a priest to talk to about it, you know, or uh, you, you talk to a, a teacher, a parent, um, a police officer, a fireman, you know, if you don't have any of those things, you know, it's going to be tough for you.
1: I love the idea that Lucas is settling his, his head down into his pillow and thinking to himself, tonight I'm going to do it. Tonight I'm going to dream about an armadillo. A, maybe he's a lucid dreamer and the only thing he can't picture is an armadillo. But otherwise he gets everything he asks for. That would be better than s- seeing through a bagel. That would be an incredible superpower. If you could lucid dream every night and choose your dreams, choose any animal to see, but the one, one that you can't make is an armadillo, i think that would be a good trade-off. You're too young to know about trade-offs, but you'll learn someday. Keep dreaming lucidly. Finally, listener
0: Jonathan writes, my
1: four-year-old
0: asks me if I know every character he sees on screen. For example, Daddy, do you know Batman? Daddy, do you know Obi-Wan Shinobi? <laughs> but in October he asked, Daddy, do you know the Harvester of Souls?
1: <laughs> wow! I didn't know what the Harvester of Souls was, aside from the Grim Reaper. Death, the fate that awaits us all, eventually. But Jonathan sent along a link and apparently, the harvester of souls is a stand-up animatic Halloween decoration that is sold by Spirit Halloween, one of the uh, big uh, Halloween supply houses. I will I will describe it to you. Are, are you on this page there, Jesse? I not only I'm. I, I...
0: I am stunned into silence, not just by looking at this picture of the Harvester of Souls, which is genuinely upsetting, Yeah. but even more upsetting and confusing than that picture of the Harvester Uh of Souls is the existence of the Spirit Halloween Superstore Wiki. Yeah, I know. Which has almost 1,400 pages. Yeah. Just- this piece about the harvester of
1: souls has 55 comments on it I had no idea that there was a spirit Halloween superstore fandom that would support a wiki look I'll give you the description and then we'll get into you know section two trivia about how ha- <laughs> trivia about harvester of souls
0: there's a picture here at the bottom John yeah. that's labeled a Harvester of Souls misplaced in Reaper's Island Village display. <laughs>
1: misplaced? Can you
0: imagine the embarrassment if you accidentally put a Harvester of Souls into a Reaper's Island Village display?
1: That's like one of the greatest Spirit Halloween Superstore blunders you could make. Okay, obviously the Harvester of Souls image will be shared on the Judge John Hodgman Instagram page, at Judge John Hodgman, but since this is still an audio medium... I will simply say that it is an animatronic sold by Spirit Halloween for the 2020 Halloween season. It resembles a tall, hooded, vampire-like creature. I don't know what vampire is. Vampire. I don't know what that yeah, is. Holding you a. You look sort
0: of like a zombie to me. Yeah,
1: maybe, or kind of a Frankenstein's thing. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Tall, hooded, spooky creature holding a young girl with black hair and a pink-colored dress. Upon activation, the creature lifts the girl upwards— As the head of the girl rises and the phrase is spoken, the phrase, I don't even know what that is, fog then spews from the mouth of the girl and is inhaled by the vampire-like creature as green LED lights illuminate the fog, giving the effect of the girl's soul being inhaled. Jonathan, why are you letting your child look at the spirit Halloween wiki? This is terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's really upsetting looking.
1: Especially if you mis- misplace it. By the way, Jesse, did you know the code name for this animatronic is Strawberry?
0: <laughs> it says that right here in the trivia section. <laughs> you know how you care for it?
1: Spot clean. <laughs> <laughs> the arms with girls slip down after numerous activations. This is caused by the belt stretching out over time. Just so you know. that's I wouldn't call mm. that trivia, but I would call that uh, yeah. ha- handy handy information to have if you're going to invest... 300 clams into this creature, whatever. Jesse, would this count as a Dracula, would you say? Yeah,
0: I guess this is a type of Dracula.
1: hate it. Don't let your child look at this again, Jonathan. But I think you've got a great Halloween costume planned for next year where you walk around as a hooded Dracula and your child wears a pink nightgown and you lift your child up every now and then and suck green fog from him or her. Them, all right. I'm 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 calling it. Doesn't get better than the Harvester of Souls. That's our proprietary segment. Cool babies. That's our IP. Well, I mean, that's our IP intellectual property. RIP to the Harvester of Souls. Before we roll on credits, Jesse, I have one letter that I would like to read on a different subject. Well. You know what, Jesse? Read the credits. Read the credits and we'll drop that in as a surprise as a mid-credit sequence like this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe or something.
0: Ooh, I like this idea. Should I also slip into the credits a half joke?
1: (laughs) Sure. Go ahead.
0: The docket is clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Our engineer here in Maine is Joel Mann, program and operations manager at WERU Community Radio in Orland, Maine. You can listen to WERU at WERU.org, and you can follow Joel on Instagram. His handle is TheMaine, M-A-I-N-E, Man
1: M-A-N-E. And Jesse, let me just jump in here with a surprise mid-credit sequence. Surprise! Wow, didn't expect to see you, Nick Fury. <laughs> so just, I just want listeners to know that, that listener Sarah in Toronto, who had written me an email full of all kinds of interesting cat facts, she wrote in to correct me. She is not a veterinarian, I'm sorry. She was a veterinarian assistant for eight years, and she would be happy to send you all the cool cat facts you want if you just email her. Her email is info... At Cleopatra.ca, that's .ca for Canada, you can figure out how Cleopatra is spelled. That's her cat grooming company. She also sent me pictures of Sophie, her uh, one cat, and Captain Jack Sparrow Harkness, the other cat, together cuddling. And that Captain Jack Sparrow Harkness has one eye. It's incredible. We'll post that on the Judge John Hodgman Instagram. Now, that's that. Will there be a post-credit sequence? You have to wait till the end to find out. Resume credits.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO, and check out the Maximum Fund subreddit to discuss this episode. Submit your cases at MaximumFund.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFund.org. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.
1: post credit surprise sequence. You knew this was coming. I just wanted to thank listeners Jillian, Rebecca, Trish, John, Other John, Michael S., Matt J. I I, I don't normally read the last names, but this guy's name is Thaddeus Diamond, which is one of the greatest names I've ever heard. Plus a bunch of others who came in as I was driving to the studio today to write in and confirm that they also, like I, had older relatives who ate Vicks VapoRub as a cold remedy. I, I, You may remember from last time I was saying that my mom claimed that her mother fed her a spoonful of Vicks VapoRub when she had a cold. And my mom has not been alive for some time, so I, I could never – it seemed so impossible, especially since the jar says not for human consumption, that this could be real. I thought it was a fake memory. But many people wrote in to say, no, my mom or my uncle or my grandmom did. Many of them in Pennsylvania like my mom, but others from Canada, parts of the Midwest. It's not like it was regional. It was really – Widespread, it was the hydroxychloroquine of its day. In fact, Alice wrote in to say that her great-grandmother, Jessie, ate a spoonful of Vicks VapoRub every day. (laughs) Not just for colds, every day as a supplement. She lived to be 99 years old.
0: And she was actually named by the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's most mentholated woman.
1: (laughs) Matthew T. wrote a really disturbing letter. About, it was about a good friend from college, he says, he used to eat Vicks VapoRub for fun when he was little. Not just grandmas, kids. Matthew's wow. friend used to dip his fingers in and eat it right out of the jar. And he claims that years ago, Matthew's friend showed Matthew an old picture of the friend sitting at a table during Thanksgiving dinner around 1970, age two, with an open jar of Vicks VapoRub next to his plate at the table. Matthew's friend reported, quote, it felt like I was eating pure light, like it was making my <laughs> mouth and throat glow. Like the child whose soul is being harvested. <laughs> it's, that's spooky. Hey, children, don't and parents. Don't eat this stuff. Wait, what's going on in this other photo? <laughs> There's another photo. I don't have the photos. I only have the descriptions. I, what, Matthew, you should you should get your friend to send in these photos. I really want this for the Instagram page. Matthew says there's another photo that shows his friend's empty plate, as well as the empty, ugh, gross. the empty jar of Vicks vapor rub that he had cleaned out with a dinner <laughs> roll. Quote Matthew, he loved this stuff. He did say, however, that it took him a very long time to learn how to ride a bike. I'm not sure what the – that may be correlation, not causation. But, yeah, don't eat Vicks VapoRub, anybody. All right, that's it. That's the end of the surprise post-credit sequence. There's nothing left coming up. I am definitely not going to sing the Star Blazers theme at any point. This is the end of the podcast for real. You can trust me. You're going to sit there and try to listen and wait and wait and wait and wait, but it will never come. Jesse, it was great to see you. You too, bud. Jennifer Marmer, great to see you. She's just nodding. Joel Mann? Are we done? <laughs> All right, that's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.